Welcome to Macro Monday on Investec Focus Radio SA, a podcast about what's driving global and local markets. I'm Chris Holdsworth, Chief Investment Strategist at Investec Wealth and Investment. Every Monday morning, I'll update you on key developments from the past week and what you need to know about the week ahead. If you'd prefer to watch a video with the graphs and charts I referred to in the podcast, just go to investec.com forward slash Macro Monday. Good morning. This week, we're going to look at the latest from our Global Asset Allocation Committee, and we'll look at some interesting inflation data from across the globe and out of the U.S. in particular. We'll have a look at that U.S. GDP print, and finally, we'll have a look at what's happening to inflation in South Africa. We're going to start off with our Global Asset Allocation Committee. This is a committee populated by investment professionals across our Switzerland, U.K., and SA offices. The idea behind this committee is to take advantage of the best ideas we have across our business in order to come up with an asset allocation. Our GISG comes up with a risk view, how risk on or risk off we should be. The Global Asset Allocation Committee translates that into an actual asset allocation. And globally, we remain underweight equities, overweight fixed income. In South Africa, we're neutral equities and overweight fixed income. We'll give more detail on the South African Asset Allocation Committee next week. This week, we'll focus on the global one. It's worth recognizing from a global perspective that earnings have actually been pretty good. So far this quarter, we've had just over 120 S&P 500 companies report, and we're looking at about 75% or so of them surprising on the upside, which is a relatively good showing. And we've had a couple of quarters now where we've had relatively good showings. U.S. earnings are up 4.9% year-on-year. If you strip out energy, it's around 8% or so year-on-year. So that, that's a pretty good outcome. The issue is we can say with some degree of certainty that earnings in the U.S. are still at a cyclical high. And if history is anything to go by, we are due a slowdown, especially when you consider that we are due an economic slowdown too. And in that environment, a forward P.E. for the U.S. of over 20 seems a bit rich, and we're quite comfortable being underweight the U.S., despite what has been a very strong period for U.S. equities of late. With regards to fixed income, fixed income traditionally does better when the economy slows, which is what we expect. And in addition, we believe that there's a sizable margin of safety available in U.S. fixed income. Outside of the U.S., there are opportunities within equities. Really, it's just a selection of U.S. equities at screen is very expensive, and they push up the valuation of that U.S. market. We do think that there's opportunities in the second and third layer of equities in the U.S., and in addition, outside of the U.S. and the rest of the globe. And fixed income, we find the U.S. fixed income offering attractive. We're less convinced about the offering elsewhere. There are a couple of regions where we're overweight too. But broadly speaking, we remain defensively positioned across the globe, and we are still anticipating a slowdown in global economic activity, U.S. economic activity in particular. Switching to some of the data that's come up of late, PPI inflation is still very low across the globe. And this is pretty important because PPI inflation is a key leading indicator for CPI inflation. We'll show that shortly. PPI inflation in the US, all of 1%. In China, it's negative, just like CPI inflation. In Germany, surprise on the downside, down over 8.5%. And the UK, looking at down 3% or so. So PPI inflation is telling us that we don't really have a CPI inflation problem coming. If we look at a model fit of the link between PPI inflation and CPI inflation three months later in the US, you can see that there's a pretty strong link. Given where PPI inflation is at the moment, it's not at all unreasonable to expect US inflation to have a two-handle within the next couple of months. Now, that's just based on, on one factor, on PPI inflation. Clearly, there is some risk to that view, and the risk at the moment stems from supply chain issues. 
can see that the number of ships going through the Suez Canal has declined quite materially as a result of attacks on ships in the Red Sea. And it's not at all clear that that's going to end immediately. This is something we need to monitor very closely because global shipping costs are up around about 100% year on year now as a result of this. And the increase varies by, by route. We also know that there's a strong link between transit costs and goods price inflation four months later. So we've had a very short period where transit costs have increased. If those revert back to where they were in, in a month or two time, this is not really an issue. But should these prices persist at higher levels, then we are likely to start to see goods price inflation pick up in the US and elsewhere. And that will eat away at the very positive narrative that we have at the moment for CPI inflation. So in broad summary, the data at this point is still good. The outlook is still good. But should these costs remain elevated for more than a month or two, we are going to have to shift that view. In the meantime, US inflation data continues to surprise on the downside. We had core PC inflation come out last week. This is the series that the Fed targets. They want the series to be at around about 2% up year on year. The latest data shows that it's up 2.9% year on year. So not massively different from their target. It's the first time that it's had a two handle, so been below three for, for some time. And if you scratch a little and you look at the underlying data, it's really good. The six-month rate is running at 1.9%. The three-month rate is running at 1.5%. So the latest data is well below that 2% target. And what that tells us is as time progresses and some of the higher numbers that are in this 12-month calculation from six to nine months ago, as that data falls out of that 12-month calculation, you're going to land up with the six-month number being in there at 1.9 and the three-month number being at 1.5. And the net result of that is that we expect that core PC inflation is going to come down quite quickly. We think that the number for March will be below 2%. We think that it will get to about 1.8% in a couple of months after that. So at that point, we're going to have numbers which are perfectly comfortable for the Fed. And we do subscribe to the view that the Fed is going to be cutting by around March, which should, of course, be very helpful for this economic activity after that. There's a pretty sizable lag between changes in monetary policy and changes in the economy. In the meantime, the U.S. economy continues to be in rude health. U.S. GDP growth was very strong in Q4. You're looking at 3.3%. That was well above the consensus forecast, well above the Atlanta Fed number. And it follows a number in Q3 of 4.9%. So we've had very strong economic data coming out of the U.S. of late. And we can strip out some of the volatile components like inventories, and you still get a very good number looking at about 2.6%. Or so. so from a growth perspective at this point, recession avoided. It looks like the Fed has managed to land the Boeing on the aircraft carriers. So the data has been remarkably good up until this point. We still do expect a slowdown, but a recession at this point is looking pretty unlikely. There is one potential headwind for the US, though. Part of the reason for the US economy showing the resilience it has of late has been very large fiscal deficits on the government. And the Fed, as we know, has hiked rates. And the net result of that is that the interest bill for the US government is now sitting at over a trillion dollars per year, accounts for more than 16% of total US government expenditure. So it's ramped up. It's now getting to the point where it's quite possibly going to be the case that the interest expenditure is going to be crowding out other expenditure for the US government. And if the Fed doesn't cut soon, we're going to land up with the US government having to tighten its belt a bit. And at that point, we could land up with the US government having to tighten its belt and then with rates that are still quite high relative to inflation. And that's just reason for concern with regards to the outlook over the coming 12 months. Switching to China, there's been quite a bit of news over the last week with regards to Chinese stimulus. We've seen 
uh, article suggesting that the Chinese government will tap SOE funds to provide support for the market. We've also seen a cut to the required reserve ratio for banks, meaning that they can lend out more. But in addition, the Chinese central bank has been buying up assets. You can see that their balance sheet has ramped up. And that's very interesting when you consider that we're seeing sizable declines in balance sheets of developed market central banks at this point. We think of the Fed and the ECB. So given negative inflation in China, the Chinese can afford to stimulate and we're seeing them do so at scale. And the net result of that is that we do expect an uptick in Chinese economic activity over the coming few months. Finally, on South Africa, South African inflation surprised marginally on the downside, 5.1% versus the consensus of 5.2%. We are due a fuel price increase at the end of this month. We plug it into our model and we still see inflation being at and around 5.5% for the foreseeable future. Core inflation in South Africa is sitting at 4.5%. We do think that there is still scope for cuts in SA, especially if it is the case that the Fed cuts from March. So we are quite optimistic in that regard. Far market is currently pricing in about 75 basis points worth of cuts from the NPC over the year ahead. And that's a view that we think is quite reasonable. We do expect that the NPC is going to be cutting this year and cutting quite soon as well. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. That's all for this episode. Do tune in next week for more investment insights from me, Chris Holdsworth, and the Investec Wealth and Investment team. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, you can subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you listen. And please take a minute to rate our podcast so we can surface this content to the broader investment community. If you want to see the graphs that are referenced in the podcast, you can watch a video version of this recording at investec.com forward slash macromonday. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment International and should not be taken as advice, guidance, or recommendation. Investec Wealth and Investment International, a member of the JSC Equity, Equity Derivatives, Currency Derivatives, Bond Derivatives, and Interest Rate Derivatives Markets, an authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.